0: So today we are in part 10. Everybody say 10. This is the longest series we've ever done. It's going to get longer and longer. It's amazing. Uh, we are in the Gospel of John, part 10. We're in chapter 5, if you want to open up your Bible. And what we're going to be doing from now going, for, um, going forward is we will be doing... Uh, The Gospel of John on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. So don't miss Wednesday night. We're going to be speaking each time. So on Wednesday night, come on out. We're doing part 11 and so on and so forth. But as we continue our talks on this gospel, I'm reminded that we do live in a kind of a scary world, don't we? It's a rough place. But I believe there is hope even when there may not look like there's hope. And I love that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day because, man, when you hear uh, those speeches, he gives the world a little bit of hope that one day things will be different and one day things will be changed. So we got a photo. There we go. Look at this. American icon. Look. it said, I love this. I love uh, this quote. He said, We must accept finite disappointment... But never lose infinite hope, that we can have hope. And I love this other one. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Hope. He talked about hope. He talked about faith. Those are words all of us Christians can get behind, can't we? Faith. Hope. And I know there's love, and the greatest of these is love, but I'm talking about faith and hope for a minute. And last week, we learned about this man who had been crippled for 38 years, and he sat by this pool, the pool of Bethesda, and he was hoping that when the waters turned and when they bubbled up, that if he could get out there in that, that he would be healed. And that was his only way that he thought of that that he would be healed in that. That was his only hope. And every day or whenever the waters bubble up, guess what? People will get ahead of him and get in before him. But guess what? He wasn't expecting. Jesus showed up. And on the spot, healed him. He said, get up, walk. And he was healed. And that's where we left off last last week. And so, if you look here, we have uh, John 5, 16 and 18, 16 to 18. It says, so, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, oh no, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, right? Call the cancellation police, right? This is, this is 2,000 years ago cancel culture. Oh, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, "My father is always at his work to this very day. And too and I, too am working." For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Lord, thank you for today. Lord, we pray that today you would speak to us through your word, through the gospel of John that you've given us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may want to take some notes today on your phone, tablet. Did anybody bring a, a tablet this size? You ever see people? They get these and they, they take photos. They go to like I went to Disney one time and someone had one of these and they're like, "Oh, I'm taking photos <laughs> It's like, all right, each their own. At this point, the Book of John, um, Jesus is starting to be persecuted despite all of these amazing things that he's doing. The religious leaders of the day started opposing him. They're like, uh what he's saying here is pretty serious. He's the Son of God, he's the light of the world, he can save people, get up and walk. They didn't like this. You know, I think in America we, we do have some persecution, don't we? but really not compared to other places in the world. You know that last year, 100,000 Christians were killed because they followed Jesus? All over the world, 100,000. We have it pretty easy, don't we, compared to other places in the world? It doesn't mean we, we let up or stop. I think we have to ramp up what we're doing for the Lord. We have to ramp up giving the word. But the law said no working on the Sabbath. And I guess to them, healing on the Sabbath and a man carrying his mat was working. What? Aren't they missing the whole point here? This guy was crippled for 38 years. Don't we do that too sometimes? We can't see the forest for the trees? Where is it? But Jesus, unlike these Pharisees or these people of the law, Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a relationship. And everything, if you look all through the Gospels, you see this amazing relationship that he has with folks. He didn't come to give us a set of rules and regulations. He came to give us his life in eternity in his love in his friendship. Amen? Look at this in Titus. It talks a little bit about this, I feel like. Titus 3, starting in verse 4, it says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, not for works but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit whom he poured out on us generously through jesus christ our savior so that verse 7 so that even so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal Life. Does this talk of rules and regulations, or does this talk about a Savior who came from heaven to earth to be one of us, to have a relationship with us? So we have this, these religious leaders opposing Christ, persecuting him, harassing him, annoying him, being persistent with him, asking them, him all sorts of questions. What's the greatest commandment, right? He's like, oh, we're going to get him now. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus is like, love the Lord your God with all our, my, what? And love your neighbor as yourself. They're like, oh, he got us. But in the verses that follow, we see Jesus, and he has a rebuttal. You know that it's okay to speak up for yourself? Do you know that it's okay, and, and we see this defense, but not defensive like we are sometimes. Are you defensive with your spouse sometimes? You're like, oh, I, what, what do you mean? And we have like a big speech. We get up on a big soapbox, Right? Some of you are laughing, some of you are sleeping. Come on, guys, Let's, come on. We got coffee at the back. Let's go. Man, I can be defensive sometimes, but this, this rebuttal or this defense that Jesus has isn't an act because he's offended by these people. It's like, no, no, we, we've gotta, we're gonna talk about this right now. I just, I just healed a guy who had been crippled for 38 years, and you're persecuting me? Here we go. And we get to see how Jesus deals with persecution. Maybe you've been persecuted before. Maybe you've been belittled before. Maybe you're doing something kind for somebody, and someone puts you down for it. And this isn't the kind of persecution where someone just says something about you and kind of moves on. They are dead set against putting him on a cross. That's where their persecution ends. They do not want Jesus in their town or their country. So here's the speech. Here we go. Ready? And so can you help me out with when I read this because it's 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 about 11 verses? So if I say life or live, can you help me with that word? It's in there a lot. So this is going to help you out. Verse, starting in verse 19. Isn't Greg doing an awesome job back there? Come on, let's give it up for Greg. He's got his Patriots hat on. <laughs> starting in verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Verse 21, and we're coming up on the first one you've got to help me with. Remember, life or live. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives to whom He pleases to give it. Verse 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Imagine, they're standing around here listening to Jesus. They're persecuting him. You can't, I can't believe you did this on the Sabbath. And here's the rebuttal, verse 24. Look, once again, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to And then again, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has in him, so has granted the Son also to have in himself. Man, you all are good. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of God. Verse 28, do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Sorry, I messed it up. And those who have done what is evil will uh, rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Listen, this is not the most popular chapter in the book of John. I'm guessing that before today, you may have read this a few times, maybe, but you might not even remember this. You remembered the man being healed by the pool but then you're like, okay, let's get to the next cool story when Jesus feeds the 5,000 or whatever it is. But we can't get past this because Jesus has something to tell us today. And what I did was I broke this into three sections. And the first one that we learn about is this, the obedience of the Son. We'll put that up there for you so you can see it. The obedience, number one, the obedience of the son. We see here that Jesus isn't doing anything on his own authority. that it's all because he's under the authority of the Father. Look what it says in John 5:19 we read it a little earlier. It says so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus explained that he, as God's Son, does nothing independently. He was and is fully submitted to the Father's will. Remember in the garden, he says, not my will, but your will be done. You've probably heard that before. Not my will, but will but yours be done. And this submission comes by choice, not by coercion or like the world, like, oh, i got to listen to my dad. He told me to take the trash out. Take the trash out. Um, Emma. You missed Trash Day this week. It's not like that, is it? The Father and the Son are like this. Jesus and his Father are one, notice Jesus saying to them, I tell you the truth, or truly, truly, or very truly, or truly, verily. It just depends on which version you're reading. But he's saying, you're going to want to listen to this part. That he is in full submission. You know, the Gospel of John records Jesus saying this phrase, I tell you the truth, or very, verily, or truly, truly, 51 times. It's like a red blinking light. Okay, I've got something to say. And it was used in an urgent call to what was being said in this relationship. And it's a reciprocal relationship. It's not like some young man getting out on his own and I'm going to go take over the world and do better than my dad. He's fully submitted to the plans that God has, that the God the Father has. And the, and the Son obeys and puts the Father's will before Him. And so that's the first one. Number two, everybody say two. The result of the obedience of the Son. Listen, Did you know that when we're obedient or when we're disobedient, there are results from when we make a choice in life? Have you ever noticed that? There's action and a reaction. And so because of Christ and His choice to be obedient to the Father... And to be lined up with his will that there are results. Look at this, John 524. It says, look, very truly I tell you, once again, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Well, you guys are good, you're helping me again. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death. that's the good news in a nutshell did Jesus say hey those of you that did nothing wrong those of you that gave all of your money to the church those of you who went on mission trips you have crossed from death to life no you haven't it's not because of a good works it's because of what Jesus did and he gets all the glory for it. Amen? You are here in this space not because of something Pastor Landon did. It's because God called you here to hear the good news this morning. Very truly, I tell you the truth. Have you ever heard someone in our culture, there's a saying called, to be honest. Yeah, yeah to be honest with you. was like, what are you going to do, lie to me? Would you, you just lie to me this whole conversation? And now when it gets really important, well, to be honest, when, some, you know, when something's really serious, well, Jesus doesn't really need to say that, but that's what he's saying. Listen, I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You've got it. And there's nothing you can do about it on your own. There's no amount of working. And I feel like that's what we do in our culture, right? Well, I did something wrong. I got to go to church for a couple weeks. Okay, now I'm good. I paid my penance. And now I can go back to my life. Oh, messed up again. Got to go, you know, got to go read my Bible. Getting on a Bible reading plan for seven days. Okay, I'm good. And then we get back to our life and we're like, oh, I messed up again. What if we just stayed in relationship with the Lord? What if we got out of that cycle? I don't care what church you go to. Just go to church. Get, be, get plugged in. Serve. Give. Do your thing. Because you know what? I believe wherever you are, you will grow. Amen. Because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, now people have an open door to eternity. Who hears and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Imagine the look on the religious leaders' faces. Wait, now you're, you just healed the guy on the Sabbath. He carried his mat. And now you're telling them that you have eternity and they can go from death to life because they believe in you and your Father who sent you. They're probably, they' probably probably couldn't believe it. They're probably saying blasphemy. We've got to listen, there's a bunch of rules we've got to play by here. We've got to walk this way, talk like this, clean our hands 17 times this way. Jesus says, no, it's, it's this relationship. It's the belief in what I've come to do. It's not about a religion. When I was younger, I remember people were like, you're religious? You ever have anybody say that to you? I, you know, the cross and the switchblade I was reading l- uh, last week, it, um, he would say, I found religion, Brother Wilkerson. And I understand why people say that because it's just our culture and we talk that way. But to me, religion is, is robotic. You know, I spoke to a man when I was, I think I was probably 22. I was going through the mall in Denver, Colorado where, we, where I was a youth pastor and I was just talking to people about Jesus. I started talking to this guy at a shop and he was, he was telling me what religion he was and he was asking me questions about Jesus, which is pretty awesome. And he says, do you pray? I said, yeah, I pray. He's like, well, like, when do you have to pray? I said, I don't, I don't think about it that way. He's like, oh, well, I have to face this way, and certain times of day I have to pray this, these prayers. I said, oh, well, what are you praying? What are you saying? I don't know. I don't know that language. To me, that is a religion. That's not a relationship. Imagine if Jesus is just sitting here on a chair Hanging out with us today, that's how we're going to talk. That's how we're going to pray. That's how we're going to speak. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord for the lights. I don't think I have this one on here, but in Romans 5, 9 to 11, oh, I do It says here, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, while we were God's enemies, were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled? Reconciled just means being brought back together. Because remember, in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated. Now this is the reconciliation. Shall we be saved through life? Verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So imagine we were separated. When we we came into this world, our default setting was separation from God. And so now Jesus comes to say, Hey, people. I went to the cross. We can get back together. I'm here at the door knocking. Will you come in? Will you let me in? What What, are we, what should we do? Come on in. What is he saying here? Have you ever been in debt before? Yeah, all the debt people, okay. Dave Ramsey says, Debt is dumb. Have you ever heard him say that? Look what it says in Proverbs. So, what's he saying here? That before we were in debt, we were slaves to sin. Look what, look what Proverbs 22, 7 says. The borrower is slave to the lender. Not sure about you, but I don't want to be slave to anybody. Unless, like Paul says, to the Lord. And before we found Jesus, guess what? We weren't just slaves to, the, to our lender if we were in debt. We were slaves to sin, it says in Romans 6, 20 in 21. It says when we were slaves to sin we were free from the con- from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Guess what? We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. Amen. We can be free. We can we can have life because of the cross. And Jesus says you can cross from death to good job. Give the Lord a shout of praise for that. Can we? All right. Number three. Everybody say three. It's simple. Hear and live. Hear and live. Listen, I know this isn't a big flashy sermon like last Sunday. Every Sunday is different. I love it. But this is good stuff where we can hear from the Lord. And we're gonna, I'm going to read these verses again to you, and you can help me with the live or the life. But let's look at the last portion of his speech to the religious leaders. Look, very truly, starting in verse 25 of John 5, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now, this verse 25, when he's talking about the dead, that just means someone who is on their way to hell, who doesn't have Christ yet, who's living a dead life because of their sin. But those who hear will live. Verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have in him. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment and come out. Those who have done what is good, so those who have not because of good works, Ephesians says, but those who have followed Christ, done good, will rise to. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. But by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Here we go again, again, very truly, I tell you, I tell you the truth. Those who hear will live, will have life in the Father. And so Jesus now gets really real with the folks that are listening. He said, They're still here, I might as well keep talking. He's talking about eternity here. That at the end of time, everyone will rise up out of their grave. And those who have followed Christ will live. And those who didn't follow Christ will be cast aside. And he'll say, I never knew you. And our goal as Christ followers is to make sure we're in the Jesus boat and then to also make sure as many people we know can get on board, amen? And this is not a cruise liner. This is a a ship that's a hospital for people who need Jesus, amen? For hurting people, for sick people, people who are in the dark, people who need hope, So, this week I continued my crazy New Year's resolution of reading a book a week. <laughs> and this one was a little bit rougher because it was a little bit longer. But I read this book called The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. And it was the idea is how to stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise. It's an amazing book. Make sure you get it. But the book reminded me of the story of Daniel where King Belshazzar, which is King Nebuchadnezzar's son. We just talked about him earlier, about the 10 days we're going to be praying about. He was having this party and this hand appeared in the room and wrote something on the wall. You remember this story? And so the king summoned all of these different people and tell me what's on the wall. No one could tell him what was on the wall. And then someone's like, hey, remember that Daniel guy? Bring him in here. So Daniel comes in, and the king of is like, hey, listen, if you can do this, I'll give you a, a purple robe, a gold chain, and I'll make you third in command of all the nation. And Daniel's like, well, you can do that, but this is not a positive message on your wall. He already knew what the message was. God already gave him the message Daniel had this gift, and you know what? You can have the gift, too, because it's open to you, but the first part that that Daniel translated this quickly, because God gave him the gift, the first part said, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Probably not a message a king wants to hear. Church... Our days are numbered. This year could be the last one. One, Jesus may come back. Some people are like, oh, Jesus can't come back yet. Yeah, he can. He can do whatever he wants to. Or we could go home to be with Jesus. So if we are thinking about it this way today, if our days are numbered, wouldn't we make different choices Wouldn't we stop going just through the motions and doing business as usual? I think we'd make some changes in our life, wouldn't we? We'd spend our time differently, wouldn't we? We'd probably take care of things a little bit differently. We'd probably talk to others differently. And so can we stand today? That's what I want to challenge you with today. What if you had 30 days to live in this challenge from the Lord is, listen, one day there will be judgment. And those who followed me will have eternity. But those who didn't will have eternity not with me. And so today, it's sobering to think our days are numbered because we know this. We know it, right? Everybody <laughs> That we, we live and we die. But we live like, like oh, it's going to just, this physical world is just going to last forever. I got some gray in my beard now, okay? This, this shows us. <laughs> Thank you. This shows us wisdom. You know, it's funny, I, I would, when I was a little bit younger, when I was a youth pastor, people are like, oh, you look like you're like 14. So this year, I, like, I'm always having fun with people wherever we go, and I'm, I'm at Walmart, and I'm asking the, the checkout lady, I said, and Tara's there with me, I said, hey, how old do you think I am? I said, if you if you can give five, within five years, I'll give you a high five or, you know, or something like that. And so one, one it was a younger lady, she's like 42, and Tara's like, oh. I was like, come on, I'm 38. I used to look 12 when I was twenty-two. But listen, even Pastor Landon Ages. I got some grades to uh, to prove it. Our days are numbered. What would you change? What will you change this week, this month? that God's called you to, that you're not doing, that God's called you from, that you're still doing, what is it? Let God speak to you about that this week. Start the the prayer challenge with us. Amen. Can I pray for you today? Lord, thank you so much for each individual here. Thank you that we can gather as the church. Lord, I, I pray for change in our hearts. Lord, that you would, you would take a, a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh, Lord. That we would be moldable. That we would be like clay in the potter's hands, Lord. Lord, that we would realize that just like this king Our days are numbered, but the good news is at the end of those days, we will be with you in heaven for all of eternity because we followed you. We heard your voice. We opened the door. We repented of our sin, and you graciously forgave us. Lord, I pray for anyone in the room that doesn't yet know you, that they would make today Salvation Day. The Lord, they would say a prayer, they would follow you, and you would come into their life. Lord, they would repent of their sin, and, Lord, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would have power, the power you want to give us, in Jesus' name. And everybody say, come on, church.